So how much did you pay for your camera? <laughs> are you giving, why are you miming at me? Is it, a whole, is it that much of a secret? Yeah, man, I don't talk about my, my certain things, especially on air. Oh, so, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. You don't have a new camera. Obviously. I don't have a new camera. It just looks very That's nice. Interesting. Like, certain assets, like personal slash professional assets, you don't want to talk about? No. It's from a, just from a personal safety perspective, because that's my line of work. You know, you don't talk about where you're going or what you're doing. Really? Yeah, man. In this age of social media, open communication. Pri privacy. Yeah, I know. I know. But, you know, that's the more, you know, the less people know, the better. Mm. But that's not to say that you'd be like completely secretive, but it's just there's a time and place for everything, I think. Okay. I'll edit that's this That's what I <laughs> the side <laughs> we're just talking trash here at legit cool as as always this isn't trash talk this is quality talk <laughs> um I, you know scream has been out for how long now three weeks 94 i feel like the first one you're talking about wait <laughs> i'm talking about this one that we're, really... we're, we're that we're 30 years late um has it been out for like a month? Came out in March, right? Came out like March mid March. March. Yeah, so it's yeah. like almost twenty days. Um, hey, we've done worse. We have done worse. She-Hulk she -Hulk was. I longer. feel like this is just not a good trend to to, to go in. Although the listeners, um, the the data for listeners is actually consistent still. So okay, maybe well, maybe people are, are setting these expectations for us. That's how you kind of do it, right? Like you, you roll with whatever the audience is um, responding to. <laughs> no, I think it's good, though, that you're allowing people time to go and see the movie. There's a lot of podcasts out there that will see the movie and release a pod the next day. And people haven't even seen it yet. You know what I, I mean? Know. I know. I feel pressured sometimes that I have to be doing the same thing that other podcasts or YouTube channels or um, radio reviews whatever right like i always feel like i need to be doing that but mm. then just through the nature of my own life i just kind of roll with whatever i want to do <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that because you can go back and review like a really old movie and you know that's like you know you'd be like 20 years late you know if you went back and reviewed the first screen mm. you'd be late but you know people some people haven't seen it true you know some people are just getting introduced to the latest installment now who do you know that has seen this that likes it or dislike it. It's interesting that you asked that because uh, I mentioned it to my friend and I said, it's getting good reviews prior to seeing it. And he said, his friend friend said the same thing, but it's almost like there's this line where you like love the scream franchise or you hate it. I have not heard of someone who just is like, eh, it's okay. Hmm. So it's, uh, at least in my experience, uh, maybe there is some people who are sitting on the fence out there, but if you're this far invested into the franchise, I think you really love it because whether it's Nev Campbell or just the whole aspect of Ghostface going around killing people as a slasher that's still persisting in today's society versus, you know, something else. Like, you know, there's horrors, there's a lot of um, horrors being redone again, like uh, The Evil Dead just got remade again. That's and right. I'm waiting to Did see, you see that. that. Not yet. See, it looks pretty, if you, pretty, uh, I don't know, intense. Bad, bad. It looks uh, tense. Well, I mean, that's what it should be, right? And, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I think that got decent reviews, but I'm still waiting yeah. to see it. You know, it got but, a ten um, out of ten from IGN, didn't it? Yeah, but IGN's not always the best. I think more often than not, IGN, I find myself agreeing with more often than not. Mm. I can okay. I can think of cases where it's where I'm pretty aligned with them. They're ten out of tens okay. or whatever. I think there was a big um, hee-ho around IGN's rating system where it was either getting a 7 or a 10 most of the time. And people mm. were like, how is it a 7 or a 10? Like, what are the other numbers doing? <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, it's but, funny. I've never actually seen IGN give 4s and 5s. It's always, like, quite low and then very high. That Bale movie based on Edgar Allan Poe got a 5. Uh, it was, I can't remember oh, what it was called. Oh, I know the one, I know the one. Um with the long title, right? And it's yes. uh, featuring that old English guy or Irish guy, old chubby Irish English guy. I'll just nod and smile because I don't you know. Like in every single gangster movie, <laughs> every single like UK <laughs> Irish gangster movie. I'm gonna have a look real quick. Do it's called research. the Pale Blue Eye. The Pale Blue Eye, yeah. That's it's a long it. title. Yeah, it, I mean, it looks long. It well, sound long, it looks it's... long to the eyes, yeah, yeah. but um. I still don't know who you're talking about, so I'm going to look up. Mm. Didn't he win an character. Oscar, or did that film win a couple of Oscars? Not that we care about Oscars on the show. But no, I don't know. One, I think maybe one or two Oscars for something. Mm. And that latest uh, Willem Dafoe movie, what is it called? Inside or Alone or something like that? He's a uh, like... Art. Yes. Yeah. No. 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 He's he did uh, another one recently where it was about an art thief getting inside a like high oh. security place and he gets stuck inside and he goes crazy. Yeah, I saw the trailer for that. Mm. Mm. And d- despite his his performance, apparently, like you know, um, the script wasn't good enough or good enough. Who knows? For Willem Dafoe. For Willem Dafoe. Mm. But yeah, he is a high ranked officer, isn't he? He is. He's done his time. Uh, mm-hmm. He's done his time. Mm, so scream. Scream, scream, scream. <laughs> Here we are. So do you remember the rating that we gave Scream 5? Uh, not exactly. Do you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember. Am I looking at it? Am I meant to be looking at it? No. <laughs> no. no? Um, I actually just distinctively re- remember us loving it. Uh, correct. Equal par, if not slightly different, but not too different. Um, the Instagram post that I put up, um, was nine out of 10. Mm. And I think we're both kind of there. We, we ran about nine out of 10. Yeah. Probably about a high eight or a nine. Yeah. Like I really enjoyed it. So then, um, you know, I rounded up. <laughs> sure. That's fine. As we do that. Five yeah, out of 10. Better. 10 out of 10. I rounded it up. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. Like I did, uh, it was a bit of a risk because Scream 4 was so bad, in my opinion. I That's think it's right. one of the worst in the franchise. Did you end up watching it, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, rewatching it. Still feel and, the uh, same way about Scream 4? Yeah, look, Scream's never perfect. I'll, I'll say that. I'm a really big fan of the, the first three, even though some people hate three. Um, but yeah. four just... I'm, I'm that, one of those. I, three was yeah. ugh, a little hard to watch. Scream 1 and 2 were great. I think Scream yes. 2 was a good sequel. It wasn't yes. a perfect sequel, but Scream 1 loved it. Scream 2 loved it, just not as much as the first. Mm. Mm. And I think uh, it goes back to what you were saying before, where it's 
um, it is very much like hot and cold. You know, it's not really a warm type film. You either really love it or you really hate it. And I think mm. it's because it's genre, genre stress, yes. right? It's um, mm. it's bound within that slasher genre. There's, there's no kind of multi multi genre thing about it. Even though you have some comedic parts, but it's yeah. very much a genre film. And nobody makes genre films anymore. Mm. Like when you talk to anybody that um, doesn't like horror, like they don't like it because of the genre horror. They don't like it. Yes. For any other reason other than the fact that it's a horror, so mm. I like that they're doing slasher films. No, I agree. I think there's there's irks about Scream in general that annoy me sometimes, but other than that, like you know what you're getting into when you're going to see Scream. Yeah. Like you know, Ghostface is going to be in there. You know, people are going to die generally by a knife. Okay. Um, you know, by a knife of some sort. Um, but I'm surprised that they're still able to reinvent the series and respark it with a new cast and still essentially tell the same story with little changes here and there. How um, do you maybe- manage to write these films without having a gun um, in the crossfire? It still amazes me at the way that they write the film because the, cause all the writing is kind of uh, the disguising, disguising or distracting the fact that you don't need a gun in these certain scenarios and you don't as a viewer, or at, at least for me, I'm not thinking about, oh, why don't you just use a gun? <laughs> As from Ghostface or like the, the non, the, the victims, um, victims, the cast? Yeah, yeah. Well, both victims and Ghostface. It's like Ghostface, I know it's the MO is always about using a knife. But mm. I guess like it's more so for the victims. Like, why don't you use a gun? And there has been some guns in some situations, but it's always been like a shitty misfire or um, mm. poor use of it or it's been kicked away or something like that. I, but, like, I, I never I never sort of think, oh, yeah, you should get that gun again, or you should maybe go to the local, like, porn store to get a gun. Like, mm. I think it's just, well, Sydney, it's just so dis- distracted by everything. Sydney shot Billy in the head with a gun at the end of the first one. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that's, of but course, that's right after, at the end of the movie. That's after Correct. a lot of stabs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, you're right. Like, they sh- because, But the thing is, like... As silly as it sounds, and this is what irks me about Scream, is that, okay, maybe in the first one you don't know if it's a supernatural thing or not, mm. but then you know that it's like a, it's a real person, and they can superhuman die. superhuman abilities. <laughs> yeah, superhuman abilities. Um, and despite some of the killers in the series, mm. some of them are five-foot women, right? Mm. And when you see them on screen next to the taller characters, I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> it's not. That's not the right person. So it can really throw you off who you think the killer is, mm. and then you try to match who the killer is based off the height of Ghostface. You're like, well, that doesn't match up until you see them at the end with the reveal, and they take their their mask off, and it's like that's not the same size. I actually, I actually found that a bit of a problem with this movie, right? Because when we get the reveal at the end, I'm like, no, 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 that's not the same person. Correct. That is not, especially like. This is full-on spoilers, by the way, even though we always fail to tell people that it's spoilers. Now spoilers. Know, it's a spoiler. Um, especially when it's one of the uh, one of the chicks. Not one of the chicks, but yeah, the sister, mm. who we meet right at the beginning. She's the roommate or flatmate or whatever. I was like, there's no way that, that she participated in some of the killings. No way. But even for the brother, the brother's pretty small. He's tiny. He's tiny. Yeah. And Ghostface yeah. is, like, huge. 
you could probably infer that it's the father, I guess, like when you yes. see like a larger scale version of Ghostface. But mm, like when when they start to identify when the father was playing Ghostface and when the son mm. and the daughter were playing Ghostface, and you can kind of piece together who was playing who at what time. Mm. Uh, I just don't think that the father played Ghostface much at all because he had to mm. play cop most of the time. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was like, uh, that's not Ghostface. If anything, and that's like, and that's but, that's a whole other issue to talk about, like mm. killer slash cop. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But psychotic family. Psychotic family. Yeah. But now, now that you mentioned that, sorry, we're going to jump around a little bit. Mm. When you think about the mo here, this really aligns with Scream Two, and this being a sequel to the reboot. So Scream Two, right? Is Billy's mother, right? And then Scream. I, can, I actually can't remember Scream Two. Who who was who was? So who was it Billy's was um, Billy's mother who um, was the news reporter and trying to you know compete with Gail, and it was the film student was guy oh. played by Timothy Oliphant, and basically she put out an ad trying to um, mastermind the whole thing, and Timothy Oliphant's character, and I can't remember his name, left me right now. I totally forgot he was in Scream Two. Yeah, and mm. he wanted to have some say in it because he was a film student and wanted mm. to have the notoriety in taking part or taking place of it. I see. So if you look at that, that's almost a copy of what happened. So the, the, the parent is getting revenge for the, the death of Billy Loomis. And was it Randy? What was his name? Jack Quaid's character. Uh, mm. I feel like it's Randy. No, no, not Randy. Randy's in the third one. Sorry. No, Randy's the, the, the uncle. Now the uncle. Uh, Randy, no, no, no. Randy died in number two. Oh. Randy set the rules. Remember, Randy Meeks. Yeah, you're not with me, are you? No, no. <laughs> I have a mind blank on both those films. Uh, hang on, I need to look this up because it's gonna. So Jack Quaid's character, for those that haven't seen Scream Five, unfortunately, is what's the killer? One of the killers, mm-hmm. and he played Richie. That's it. So oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Richie, Richie, yeah, Richie. Yeah. Who's the brother of? Or is the sibling well, of the family. Or the son, right? The son. So it's the same kind of MO. So mm. two and f- six almost are the same. Yeah. Yep. So yep. it's almost like Star Wars all over again, four and seven. Which I guess if I'm, like- now that you, now that I have a bit of idea about what these films are, five and six, five mm. is probably trying to reboot it being number one. You know? Correct. Reboot cool. Yep. Yeah. Re-bo- well, what they call it, a requel. A requel. A requel. No, but this was a reboot. Wasn't this? Wasn't five the reboot call because they were rebooting the series with a new cast, and it was also a sequel. And then number six is a requel. Six is no. Six is a franchise. Oh, six is a franchise. Six is a franchise. What was a requel then? I'm pretty sure the number five was a requel, or at least they called that a requel, which kind of makes sense. Requel or reboot call? No, I think I think they addressed requels, but they said it's not a requel. It's a re. Okay, you know, I'm making shit up now. <laughs> I'm going to say... It's it was a recall or a reboot yeah. Reboot call. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then number six is the franchise. When franchise. It becomes a franchise. Actually, this is one of the things that I like about this one is that it, if you want to level up from the previous Scream films and how do you continue or develop the whole idea of meta storytelling. So mm. when she mentions that this is a franchise, now we're part of a franchise, I'm like, okay, cool, it's like the Fast and Furious franchise or something. Mm. Um, uh, that was that was probably like a very poignant part of the film. But 
and one of the more exciting parts about the story. Um, the whole film, though, however, we should maybe good time to talk about our first impressions. Sure. I'll start oh, seeing as I'm on sure. the rail. <laughs> sure. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as number five. Okay. Hmm. I really enjoyed it. There's some cool new players. I think the previous cast members, um, what are their names? Is it Mason Gooding? Uh, you got Mason it. Gooding you got plays it. Chad. Yep. Chad. Um, and his, his uh, sister, Mindy, right? Mindy, yep. Yep. I think those two were great to come back, and I think they did a, another good performance. Um, mm. A little bit more developed from the previous one. Although I don't think any of these characters need to be overly developed for a slasher franchise or slasher film. Um, I'm not looking for like crazy new development. There is, there's like steps of development in their characters, mm. which is kind of nice. Um, it's good to see uh, Jenna Ortega plays Tara. Um, her coming back, I think she was great too. Um, and then everyone else was just yeah, um, was okay. But the story, like I think with number five, the story was so clever. I think it was the the reboot or the requel or the refreshing meta storytelling that we've had from the first scream all the way up until now. It's the kind of refresh a reboot that we needed, mm. um, and it was there was a lot of surprises. I think with this, the attempt to develop that whole meta storytelling was the whole idea about the franchise, but it didn't really collect itself to be satisfying by the end. Because by the time we get to the end, it was just, oh, it was a family that was trying to take revenge. Right. Um, And so I wasn't overwhelmed or surprised by the ending or the reveals. I kind of figured that it was going to be... That family? Well, not not the family. I kind of figured that it was going to be the cop um, and the nerdy, timid, awkward kid, the new kid mm-hmm. in the in the group. And, you know, he sort of pointed out as, like, number one suspect right at the beginning. Yes. You know, when she's doing the whole explanation thing. Um, I kind of figured, like, he was going to be the kid. Didn't know how we're going to get to that. But um, he was literally the suspect on my suspect list. Um, and also the um, police officer. But the the only thing that threw me off about the police officer thing was that he, I thought he was truly grieving his daughter. <laughs> you know, mm. when, when he finds out that his daughter got, got murdered and amongst like the whole killing spree inside the apartment um, and he comes out like grieving and all that kind of stuff. At first I was like, nah, this looks like a bullshit grief. But then when he was kind of quivering over his words and um, a little bit shaken, I was like, oh, no, maybe maybe he's not the killer. <laughs> and then I kind of left it at that. But then when we jumped to the end, I was just not that satisfied with the wrap-up. Because um, usually that happens with all the screen films, right? You get to the end and there's this massive exposition by all the main characters, both main characters and uh, killers or whatever. Um, I was kind of like, yeah. Yeah, don't know. So it's, it's okay. It's cool that it ends in a shrine and all that kind of stuff. And the shrine was all about Randy. You know, Randy was just completely obsessed with um all the all the Ghostface iterations. You mean Richie? Richie? Oh, sorry, Richie, not Randy. <laughs> yeah, Richie. 
yeah, he was like so obsessed about the whole thing. I, I like how that came full circle and it's a direct link to number five. Mm. That's kind of cool. But then the whole thing to just um, fall in the hands of the family, just wanting revenge. I guess I understand why they want revenge, but mm. it's, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know what they could have done different. Maybe the family, maybe we needed to learn a little bit more about the family throughout the film. Maybe we needed to learn about the family in the in the fifth one. I don't know, but it just didn't seem as tight and clever as number five. You know, mm. I see what you mean there. Because then you also have Samantha's arc. You know, being you know finding out that she's Billy Loomis's daughter, mm. and that wasn't really that explored. I mean, it was touched upon in this film. Mm. Um, but you know that that's interesting that you mention about it wasn't as developed, but then her character got developed a fair amount because she went to th- therapy and stuff like mm. that about her, how she's the daughter of a serial killer. Mm. Um, and then seeing the twist where like, you know, she's still getting these visions of her dad telling her to like, you know, do it, you know, it's, it's right. Mm. And, what, and whatnot. Um, but first impressions, like, no, I, I agree with you. I definitely think that the third act kind of falls flat a little in terms of the reveal. Um, I did rem- remember reading something similar to that after I saw the film. They said, yeah, it was great up until the ending. And look, I could have thought the reveal was better. But when you look at the previous reveals, um, especially 4, 4 was so bad. Um, mm. But I liked when uh, he baits, or Ghostface baits uh, Kirby, who's played by Hayden Panettiere, if I'm saying that correctly, um, out into the... Uh, to un- Unlock, I would say unlock, untie Charlie, and she he gets he stabs her. Mm. Um, but I think you know they developed more in the character, showing the camaraderie. Uh, I was a little worried that Mindy was going to die because she is definitely the Randy of the film, and I've always liked that character, even though he was nerdy. And Mindy's not as nerdy, but still has that insight and intelligence and bring the meta aspect back to the franchise. Mm. Um, I don't know how much Chad really, is off, really offers to the series, but, you know, obviously he's now a love interest to Terra, so that could be a thing, and now they've dubbed themselves the core four. Mm-hmm. It's a bit cheese, but, you know, I expect one of them to die in the next film if there is another one. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they said, the rules of the franchise, anyone can die at any time and anyone can get replaced, or Gare will probably die, mm-hmm. you know, like... Um, but, you know, she got stabbed in number four, Four as well, I and mean, even Sydney or Nev Campbell got injured, and mm-hmm. Jill went to go and kill her in the in the hospital. Or was it Gail? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so the whole. It, but when you think about, okay, despite the first movie, the first installment, it's really all been about the killer's mo has always been about revenge. So you had Billy Loomis's mother as as a driving factor. You had uh, Roman, who is Sydney's half brother. In the fourth one, it was Jill, Sydney's cousin. Five was which Richie. One, so you had the, which one was the um, single killer and not the Roman number three? That was number three. So that's when Sydney finds out that her mum had a second life in Hollywood, mm. was raped, mm. and then and had Roman Berman. thought that he yeah. could do it all on his own. Yeah. So that was an interesting twist because we expected two killers, but it was only one. Mm. And it's interesting sometimes. I think also what where this one falls a little flat is the cast was not very big because so you saw all the regulars and like, okay, well there must be the good team, but there was only a handful of 
other people in the movie. Mm-hmm. So you had the cop, you had the housemate, you had Mindy's partner, you had the nerdy guy. Mm. So you like it has to be one or two of them. Yeah. So which is usually the case. I mean, if they if they decided that they wanted to break their formula a little bit, that mm. would have been interesting. But breaking the formula for what real reason? You know, if, mm. if it's just a killer that you've never ever seen on screen and you've never been introduced to. Could that be a, a scream story? I don't know, but um, I, I think the core for the chemistry that they have is quite good. I believe that mm. chemistry. I believe they're friends. I believe they've gone through some shit together. Um, but yeah, the the group is relatively small now, and mm. um, who makes it into the next one? Um, we're actually unsure. You know, what what's stopping the franchise from actually bringing? two of those core four back. What if they decide that they just want to recast anyway and then they have mm. this new meta explanation in Scream 7, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do I do like the characters. You're kind of right about Chad, though. Chad is... Like, if, if you remove Chad from the story, the story wouldn't change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's kind of got no place in it. He's got nothing to do... Um, He's not a central character that has anything to do other than being maybe a little bit of the brawn, like the muscle and the brawn mm. kind of thing. Like mm. you have to have a muscle and a brawn type person <laughs> in your group. But was he really, did he really do that in the movie? I don't really no, think he not did. Not really, but I mean, he's the only kind of quote unquote macho person that can help take on right. anyone else. Even though right. I, at times I was like, why don't you throw those same punches that you did in the fifth one? Because in the fifth one, like he threw way more punches and he actually made mm. some impact. But then in number six, he didn't have that much of impact. He kind of mm. did some pushing and he threw some objects at, at Ghostface. And that yeah. was about it. And it's funny because when that was happening, I thought to myself, maybe he's become the killer. Because <laughs> mm. he's not like striking the same blows that he did in the fifth one. Because remember in the fifth one, the first time that we see him in action, in physical action, was when he's outside. And Ghostface yes. is outside as well. And yep. he throws like some punches and he gets pretty rough. But then in this one, he didn't really do that much other than pushing and object throwing. <laughs> mm. I don't know. Maybe like it's part of his trauma as a character. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Tara was good. I think um, the sister, what's her name again? Samantha. Samantha. I think she was quite good. But the the whole imagining her father again and like, you know, um, visualizing her, her father trying to coach her and taunt her to be the next killer. It, it's there wasn't much to that. Like in the in the fifth one, what we saw it well, maybe a couple of times. Oh, that was the big reveal to find her that oh, we didn't know yeah, that yeah, that, right. that she was the daughter. Mm. So so we we got it like maybe once or something. But then in this mm. one, it's like that's all we're getting. We're getting hallucinations of. Her father, but there was nothing more to that. Uh, I feel like if, if we're going to make her, if we're presuming that she's going to be the next killer, but then she's not really by the end. Mm. I just feel like it's a contrived thing because, like, what is it? What, what is it trying to do? Or is it? Is she drawing on you know an evil? I want to say evil past because it's not really her past, but mm. you know to be able to take on these challenges. Like, is, I don't is know. it serving like a greater character purpose or something, or a greater character journey? I. I don't think they are because the bait and switch thing just seems too contrived to me. But like mm. at the very end, remember at the very end, she still has that uh, hallucination thing, holding the mask. 
but then she just drops it and then walks away. I'm kind yeah. of like, oh, this whole time, especially in the last like 30 minutes, it's all been about uh, Billy Loomis, the father, trying to push her to become um, mm. another killer and that kind of stuff. And it's just, it, I feel like they're just doing it to fill her character, to fill mm. screen time, anything, because because the story is not overly complicated or it's not overly as smart as number five. And I think they just try to find some mm. fillers like by doing things like that. It's like, oh, that's right. Remember, she's like hallucinating or whatever, or dreaming or I don't know. You might be able to fill in this gap for me because obviously Terry is her sister. So I assume she's the same from the same mother. Um, Cause they same, don't really same that. mother, but different dad because right. like, Sam, you know, we've always just as, as it's, it's been implied that Sam comes from, the one, mm. a, a different father because of Billy Loomis, because they all address Sam as the daughter of the killer or something, but they don't do the same with Tara. Because when she stabs uh, what's-his-face in the mouth, that's pretty full-on. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Yeah, so... But I just can't remember them saying that that Billy Loomis's daughter is exclusively Sam. It's no, just always right. implied, right? It's always implied that Tara is not... Um, the daughter of Billy Loomis is really just Sam, just because no, it's just Sam. Yeah, but they don't exclusively say it. But um, maybe in the next mm. one, it's revealed that Tara. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, daughter. oh, it's yeah, and then she becomes the killer. I don't know. Um, um, I'm, 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 what I was going to say. Should do you want to talk about the plot? Let's talk about the plot. Mm. Let's. So Where's it? They're in New York. I think the opening scene was great, especially getting Samara, Samara weaving from Ready or Not. Have you seen Ready or Not? No, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, that's it's a good movie. Mother you should watch Robbie, that. Right? No, no, no. Samara weaving. Wait, hang oh, on. Oh, wait. Uh, isn't Margot Robbie in that as well? Like, there's quite a, it's quite a big cast. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, she, yeah, Ready or Not. No, Samara weaving. They're both oh, Aussie. Oh, okay. You can't say they all look the same. <laughs> I thought that was Margot Robbie at the... Um, I did too, movie. and I was like, no, 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 we're weaving. Okay. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's actually there... the uh, directors of Red or Not as the directors for Scream 5 and 6. Right. Mm. Um, because her, her accent bleeds out. I can't remember if it was... if she No, yeah, she's playing an Australian like accent in that one. And I was like... Margaret Robin, like, no, no, smart weaving. <laughs> but if you haven't seen Ready or Not, I do recommend that. I saw that recently and it was a decent watch. Yeah, I mean, I heard um, Ready or Not's pretty amazing. Especially, I think it's their <laughs> debut film for Matt uh, Bettinelli, Alpen, <laughs> and Tyler Gillett, the director. Right. Yeah. That's definitely an enjoyable watch. Um, okay. If you like your dark humor and, you know, kind of slash, well, slasher film. Um, what were you saying about Smart Weaving, though? Oh, I just liked how that opening, because I feel like Scream has really good opening scenes to set the tone. Like, you, to this day, Scream 1 opening, mm. you know, with Drew Barrymore, mm-hmm. like, that's pretty full on. Like, it sets the right tone, the intensity, uh, and the fear factor. Mm-hmm. And even Scream 2 with Jada and yeah, um, is it Omar Epps. Omar Epps. Yeah. yeah. Um, with, the, just that, uh, with the movie, uh, movie movies. theater. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't. Was the third one where it was? No, no. The fourth one was really meta. Where the it's the girls watching. She's watching the, girls the horror watching film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's watching Slash. Uh, 
slash. So he's sorry, watching stab, 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 and then yeah, and then yeah, it's got. That's why I got like this is getting too meta straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those opening scenes I think have always been great. This one was interesting. I feel like it was very similar to four, but it's just done in reality. That's all. So well, this opening scene was actually very long. Yeah, when I, it was. When I think about the opening scene, I actually thought. I was just thinking about the restaurant and the alleyway, but it's actually not. It's the restaurant, alleyway, the apartment. And the apartment, yeah. Um, and then the cops getting into the apartment, or no? Yes. Yeah. I think they cut it after he sees the body in the fridge. But um, Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. They, like, they cut it. They cut the intro from when he gets stabbed in the eye or whatever, like when he opens the fridge because he says, like, you're hot, you're hot, you're hot, you're hot. Mm-hmm. You're boiling now, and he opens the door and then and then he freaks out but then he turns around and goes face there mm. Mm. so it was i don't know they, i think the opening wasn't as impressive as the other openings no i agree i think number one is going to be that really set the tone because mm. you just don't know and we've got to i, I gotta say you gotta give props to roger l jackson for that voice because that's that's a really great voice that he does every every film the ghost hello sydney oh. yeah who is Roger Jackson? Let me look him up. He's probably a voice actor. I actually don't know. I should have probably looked this up. Voice actor, yeah. Powerpuff yeah. Girls. <laughs> He's done the voice since the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's impressive. From Atlanta, 1980. Oh, no, Minecraft, Monsterland, Red Dead Redemption. A lot of, a lot of video games. Call mm. of Duty. He does Ghostface... He does Ghostface <laughs> with Call of Duty Warzone. Is that Ghostface is that, in Call of Duty? No. Is, is that must be like a DLC? I don't know what that is. <laughs> a downloadable content. Oh, okay. Yeah, it must like must be. Uh, There's nothing nothing that I really recognize. I recognize the games, but you know they're gonna have different voices in general. So. Mm. Mm. Um, okay, so yeah, let's talk about the the plot a bit more. The recap, which is Act One, Act Two, Act Three. We break it down that way, and then we just kind of walk through each part, discover some of the things that we might have missed, or um, maybe change our minds on certain things that we like or dislike. Um, so we kind of covered the beginning, but we actually didn't do our fun transition. Where is it? There we go. Christopher Nolan transition. Um, so let's jump to this part here. Sam and Tara now live in New York City and attend Blackmore with fellow survivors Chad, Mindy, Meeks, Martin, along with their roommate Quinn Bailey, a.k.a. Killer. Mindy's girlfriend, Annika, Kayoko, yeah, that's, yeah. Kayoko, Kayoko. Yeah. And Chad's roommate, Ethan Laundrie. Sam attends therapy with Dr. Stone <laughs> and is ostracized in public due to an online conspiracy theory that she was the true mastermind of the latest killings. Actually, you know, when this came up in the film, I totally forgot that nobody knew that she killed Ghostface Killer. Nobody knew that she killed Ghostface Killer. And was, res- yeah, like I totally. How did no one know though? Well, because in the room, it was just... Who who was in the room with her? Remember she, like, stabbed Ghostface Killer in front of Tara? Yeah. Like, 20-something times. And then shot him in the eye. Like, the pretty much the same way that yeah, Esther yeah, yeah. Sydney killed her. 
But all these rumors about Ghostface Killer dying, like, you know, from Richie, that's how, oh, sorry, d- killing Richie. Richie and that's the, that's, uh, how, the that's how the family kind of stumbled across her being the killer. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they just committed to the to this uh, belief that she was the killer of mm. Richie, you know, so going from conspiracy to belief kind of thing. I think mm. that's how it, it works out. But then I was like, oh, I totally forgot that nobody knew that she was the killer. And then these rumors kind of circulated because that was like the last time that Richie was seen perhaps maybe in their vicinity. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was just something that I thought about as soon as like she was um, accused of those murders. I was like, oh, I guess we nobody knew. <laughs> and mm. it's a rumor. Anyway, um, on the way to the station, Ghostface calls Sam from Richie's phone, who then attacks Tara, pursues them into a bodega, killing multiple bystanders and leaving behind another Ghostface mask worn 2011 Woodsboro killings. Okay, so what did you think? Because uh, I have some some thoughts, some strong thoughts about this whole scene where it's the mm. time that um, Tara and Samantha have come across Ghostface Killer since, what, a year ago? What, a, mm-hmm. what Yeah, a year ago back in uh, Woodsboro, but now they're in New York mm-hmm. City. And then the first kind of altercation that they have is a public killing spree. No, not a killing spree, but pretty much like a public attack and a public killing spree almost, right? Inside yep. a convenience store. We've never, ever seen Ghostface Killer... Like a random... Yeah. Well, I mean... Do like a bust-up or do like a hardcore violent act in a public place before. It's always been mm. in like empty houses or um, like in secret, discreetly, right? It's, it hasn't been in front of like a lot of bystanders and witnesses. Mm. I thought it was weird. And it's almost kind of like Ghostface Killer was didn't care if it was daylight or not. Like it was like unhinged and uncalculated and not as smart for Ghostface Killer. But but was that to set the tone for the franchise? Now it's kind of like, well, Ghostface can kill anyone. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what was interesting here that it wasn't just the knife; it was the shotgun mm. at this point. So it was weird, hey? Like I I just thought it was like a big deviation from the the tone that we normally get from Scream. I was like, mm. oh, this feels like a a drug bust. Not a drug bust, but it feels like a stick em up film. <laughs> it doesn't right. feel like a slasher horror film. I, look, I wasn't against that particular scene. I think it definitely just changed the tone a little bit. I agree there. Mm. Um, but going into the franchise, I'm like, well, maybe all bets are off. You know, and they even say that in the yeah. third one, mm. you know, at the end of a trilogy, like all bets are off. Mm. Um it's just, yeah, it's just interesting. It was, it was very observational. It wasn't something that I was immediately thinking, this is not right. It, I, I don't like this. It was more like, huh, they're taking Scream into this. But it does make things a little bit different in that respect because, we, like you said, we're so used to seeing people getting off in a house, empty house or, like, whatever, out in the street. Mm. But now you've got, you know, what would other people do in the scenario where you know, the girls are in danger or someone's in danger? And now you're like, okay, well, they're just getting, they're being bystanders getting killed or they're fleeing. Mm. So it's just going to show that even in the presence of Ghostface, like they're on their own. Yeah. 
and so even in the presence of others they're on their own mm. so yeah, yeah, yeah yeah because he manages to kill like two people in there or something mm. and the two and then the shop owner, the shop right? owner yeah yeah um so yeah it, it just it just seemed like a very um rough rugged um uncalculated not very smart killing for ghostface because because you're always kind of presuming that ghostface knows the plan so well because you know he kind of weaves in and out of places and, mm. and you're always kind of wondering oh how did he do that yeah <laughs> like how did he get to that place apartment yeah, yeah knowing how, where they're gonna yeah, be yeah and that's part of the mystery and the fun of ghostface whereas this one was like um i'm in the shop now i'm not going to do my my normal kind of disappear from one place and then appear in another place kind of thing. It's more like, mm. um, I'm that dude from Terminator, the, you know, the, um, the silver guy from Terminator and I'm just going to like kill you. <laughs> like in, in this, in this one scenario, I'm not going to, you know, be able to do anything else like sneaky. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghostface has always been kind of that sneaky killer. Whereas this is like, ah, oh, it's just killing you in a shop. <laughs> but then it makes you, makes you think like, now that we know that it's the father, that's the cop. And, you know, he made that comment where you go, you can't leave New York because you're a person of interest. Like, was mm-hmm. that actually a legitimate reason for them to not leave? Or was he just baiting them to stay? Just you baiting know, so them to stay. Because I, yeah. I would probably assume at that point, he's still trying to figure out whether it is the girls that killed the son. You know, mm. and I think he's just trying to go through a process of elimination. Like, who he knows that someone from that group who survived the Woodsboro killings... Right. That then came to New York. Um, it's one of them, and maybe so that's why he's targeting all four of them. Right. Mm, that's why he's targeting yeah, all four. Okay. Because like, um, his the whole thing was to really just target whoever killed his son, and I, mm. I, I don't think that he would have found that out until maybe halfway through the film. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe some of that. Mm. Um. Act two. At the station, the sisters meet with FBI agent Kirby Reed, who is the survivor of 2011 killings. They also encounter reporter Gail Weathers, uh, who Sam and Tara resent from, or for writing a book based on their experiences. Did we know this at the end of the fifth one? We didn't, right? This just happened in that they, one year period. Gail, Gail wrote a book? Yeah. About the girls. No, that was, that was brought to light in this film. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which I guess is to, if it's her character description, you know, Gail Weathers is always going to be a reporter at the end of the day. Yep. yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was probably just another reason to bring Gail Weathers in, maybe another familiar face, because you don't need to bring her in at all. <laughs> like, Well, that's right, because she, she should be in Woodsboro, right? And not in New York. Mm-hmm. So why is Gail in New York? Yeah, so. She's just yeah. following the story or whatever, but she doesn't mm. actually need to be there. She's just another famous actor, Courtney Cox. Give her another paycheck or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, she didn't need to be there. I would have loved to see Nev Campbell, even though Nev Campbell doesn't need to be there as well. Out of the two, I would have preferred Nev Campbell. I think everyone would. But my question is, was she not recast or was she? did she say she didn't want to do it? I don't know. Because I find it interesting in the respect that were they testing this out to see if the franchise could survive without her? Without her, yeah. Yeah, or is it like she wants to take a break from it? Because they didn't say that she's gone completely. Like, if she said her and her family have gone into hiding, she could technically come back, Yeah, right? Yeah. If, if she's getting targeted. I mean, but it's, then, a, it's a good strategy to have the character like that, like in the back pocket. Mm. So just in case you need her to come back to help with the franchise, because maybe the franchise doesn't do 
as well without her. So maybe this, mm. this is the first test to see if it does work. And if it doesn't, then maybe you can bring her back in the next one. Did we did we compare box office earnings for five and six? Um, no. So the box office intake currently, as of the 29th of, oh, sorry, 27th of March, is 75.9 million. It's still in the cinemas. 79, you said? 75. 75? Mm. Okay, screen the reboot call uh, because it was a reboot call because it was called scream and not scream five yeah it's 138 but that's you know in total now 138.9 million worldwide mm. so in us it's 80 i don't think it's going to be able to do it mm. because it's already been three almost four weeks doesn't have a lot of legs i don't think this film it doesn't have the same notoriety that the previous one did so mm. it's probably not going to be able to last that long to be able to beat that previous box office. But 75 as of today is not too bad, I don't think. Well, it's not. Four only got 97.2. Mm. Three got 162 million worldwide. Mm. But it, depend, Sorry, it depends on their initial budget too, or mostly it depends on their initial budget. So the budget for this yeah. one was 35 million. And that right. barely clearing... Even, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but then if you can, yeah, go back to the original, it's like Scream Two was one hundred and seventy-two million, based off a twenty-four million budget. Yep. So that would. Oh, why can't I see it on this one? Um, yeah. Commercially, the first three films and the fifth and sixth were high performers. Hmm. Each, yeah. So, four, yeah, four or four is the one that didn't do very well at all. Yeah, you might need to call back old Sydney. Hello, Sydney. And you can't have a franchise that doesn't have Hello, Sydney. Well, I mean, look, yeah, Halloween had Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Yeah. So, but have all the Halloweens been great? Mm, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a different story, though. There's so many other reasons for that. The writers, the directors, cinematographers, mm. the producers, whatever. But um, it's funny, funny, like I actually... Has Ghostface Killer ever said hello, enter in name? What Has said what? Hello what? Has Ghostface Killer said hello dot 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 name? Like hello Sydney or hello? Or just hello whatever. <laughs> whatever name. Um, he hasn't actually said that since Sydney, right? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he said hello Gail and... Uh, I actually don't know. Maybe I can't think, uh, I can't remember it because I'm just so fixated on Hello Sydney. That's such a classic line. Oh, of course it's a classic. Hello Sydney. Hmm. Weird, hey? What was the name of the movie that, yeah. 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 Interesting. Anyway, uh, anyway. she reveals uh, that Sydney Prescott and her family have gone into hiding in response to the recent attacks. Dr. Stone is murdered by Ghostface, who steals Sam's file and leaves behind the mask worn in the Hollywood killings. Right, so that's where he finds out that she killed him mm. by taking the file. Oh, Otherwise, there was yes. no confirmation of that. That's why he goes to the psychiatrist or the psychologist, the psych- psychiatrist probably, um, steals the file, and then, yeah. Ah, yeah, now I remember. Now we're cl- blinking the dots. Sorry, yeah. sorry, audience. We're getting there, but slowly. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. Um from his window, Sam's boyfriend, Danny, witnesses Ghostface killing Quinn in Sam and Tara's apartment before attacking the group and killing Annika, leaving behind a mask worn in the Windsor 
college killings. Wayne is officially taken off the case following Quinn's death, but vows to help the group and avenge his daughter. Gail takes the group to an abandoned cinema she found while investigating, which has been set up as a shrine to the Ghostface killers, including weapons and outfits from each set of attacks. Ghostface later calls Gail at her apartment and torments her about the death of Dewey Riley before killing her boyfriend and attacking her. Sam and Tara arrive just in time to stop Ghostface from narrowly killing Gail. Uh, so that's pretty much all of Act Two. Um, what did you think about Gail and her apartment? Let's just start, start from there. Were you hoping for her to die? <laughs> I, well, I mean, she gets stabbed, right? A fair amount. Mm-hmm. So I think we're getting to the point in the franchise now. And I think anyone who's ever seen Supernatural pro- probably kind of agree. Like, if you don't die in Supernatural, are you really a part of the show? Mm-hmm. And Scream is getting to the point now, if you haven't been stabbed as a character, you're not part of the franchise. What is the maximum amount of stabbings you can get before one character dies? Who knows? Well, I think it's. I think they're getting lucky about where they're getting stabbed. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, really? I mean, are we going to get into the anatomy of... <laughs> Well, I mean, look, Mindy got stabbed in the stomach. She should have technically died, but she survived, right? I mean, I'm I'm shocked that uh, what's her name, Annika? Yeah, how how long she managed to survive before she went flat on her face in the alleyway? Like, yeah, 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 there's no way you are like. I get the suspense of disbelief is very very stretched in the Scream franchise, but this was kind of beyond that because remember, mm. like Ghostface stabs her, twists the knife, and then he goes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost to her chest, and I'm like, "Is there a way? How? How? Is she, oh, yeah, yeah. How's she right. not dead straight away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because Dewey, like, yeah, 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 died with that knife, and he pulled all the way up. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah I remember so. that. I remember how Dewey died. Um, and this was kind of like a Dewey killing, but it was worse. This one, it's like her, all her intestines and her inside should have been on the floor. <laughs> And she still tr- she still managed to get on the get on the ladder, ladder, and she's like quivering and going on the ladder in this whole stressful situation, and like ah, oh, oh, you can make it, you can make it, you can make it. Pretty sure, like old man in the other room, uh, I mean the the secret boyfriend would have been like, ah, she's dead. <laughs> um, what was his name? Pug in She Hulk? No, Pug. No, it was. Oh yes, that's right. I was trying to remember where I seen him. She Hulk. Yes. Because I deleted that from my memory. <laughs> no. Um, that's right. He played... Um, it's Pug, right? It's a Pug. Sure it was like- who's like one of the lawyers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was his name? Is Pug. Josh Shigara. Uh, oh, yeah. He he's played- Josh. No, no, not Josh. No, 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 not Josh. Uh, that was the Filipino guy. He's Hayden? No, no, no. Sorry, not Hayden. No. Tony. Pug. Yeah, Augustus Pug. There we go. What's his real name? His real name is... Oh, it's Josh Cigarro. Hang on. No, yeah, Augustus Pug. There you go. All right. Josh. Pugliese. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, wait, how did we jump from Gail's apartment? Oh, yeah, just because I was oh, talking about like, um, how yeah. many stabs does it take for you to actually die in the franchise. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was hoping... I mean, I like the Gale Weathers character, but I'm like, just get rid of these old characters. Just, you know, just, just get rid of them. Just, just do it. 
I think, but then that falls into the trap of Star Wars, right? How they killed off Han, they kill off Leia. <gasps> wow. Spoiler, what if people want to watch that? Come on, man. Somewhere? No one's going to watch 7, 8, and 9. Don't watch and they kill off Luke. No. Uh, but if they kill off all these legacy characters, I feel like they brought in Kirby to replace Sydney. And I oh. really hate... I really hate how... I don't know if you picked up on this, but every time a legacy character shows, they have this really nostalgic music play in the background where they have this reveal where they're talking on the phone and they turn around and you see their face and it's like, oh, wow, you got really old. But... <laughs> Me? No. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, not you, the characters. <laughs> oh, I was like... Because no, I was like changing the lens. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, uh, but they did that with Sydney. They did that with Kirby. I think they did that with Gale and Dewey. Like, you mm-hmm. just hear this, like, kind of piano riff, and it's like, oh, it's nostalgic music. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. From the previous screen film. No, I never picked up on that. But um, I-, I can only think they did that for that reason. They wanted to bring a legacy character back in that didn't die. Because everyone was confused, thinking, didn't Kirby die, technically die mm-hmm. in Scream 4? Um, right. But she did not. True. Um Wait, did we know that she died, that she didn't die in Scream 4? We didn't know that. I don't think so. It was kind of, I think she was stabbed and then bled you out. Know. You watched it, didn't you, recently? No, but I mean, from the audience perspective, like, they don't confirm that she, like, she just bleeds oh, out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Maybe she is the replacement for Sydney. I don't know. I think one of the girls, like Tara or Samantha, should be the replacement for Sydney. Um, it'd be like, I think that's what they're going with, but yeah, it'd be probably fitting, you know, Sydney characters is, is like this heavily traumatized character who's haunted by Ghostface, and I think um, Samantha, especially, she's mm. haunted by her dad, the original Ghostface killer. Mm. So it's good if she becomes the Sydney character a bit. Um, I do find at times Samantha is a little wooden. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if I should be too critical on that because she's a traumatized young adult (laughs) yeah okay but if you're going down that route sydney was also very you know traumatized after the number of installments she's been through yeah and she She has some charisma to her i I think she has like a little bit of um brightness to her you know that's a little bit of levity so that the character is not too flat and i think samantha is just a bit flat you know in comparison, like, I went back and watched, started watching Party of Five where Nev got her break and she was commented on being, like, the most believable teenager. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and you see, like, she really acts like someone at, at that time. She was really acting like her role. Mm. And then, obviously, she went to scream and she was still kind of playing that kind of, um, that, I don't want to say introverted kind of girl, but, like, you know, kind of, like, just soft-spoken and just, you know, really in. Yeah. Um, she wasn't like a valley girl or anything like that. And it was like really believable. Mm. I don't get that from Samantha. No. Samantha's just like straight up depressed, stressed, and dark. Like she doesn't have any kind of smile to her. Like whereas Nev, Nev Campbell, I always remember her smiling every now and then. You know, when she's at mm. school, she's kind of like smiling. She's trying to interact with people. She's like maybe. She's always got that nervous laugh yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas like Samantha something never does is, it. Something's going on deep down inside, but she doesn't want to completely show it. Whereas Samantha just straight up shows everybody <laughs> through her facial expressions that she's going through shit. Do you think it's to reflect like the current generation now? Like, like, Oh, I can relate with this girl. Like I'm just dark and brooding and I don't know. That's a bit too deep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a bit too, uh, 
um, psych- psychoanalyst for uh, the podcast. For the podcast. If you, if you uh, listeners out there have anything to say about this particular aspect, leave a comment. <laughs> yeah, let's no, start a conversation somehow. Yeah, let's start talking about psychology yeah. of kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go to Act Three. So yes. The group agreed to meet Kirby at the theater to trap Ghostface. On the subway platform, they are separated and Mindy is stabbed by Ghostface in a moving train. At the theater, Sam sees a hallucination of her father, original Ghostface killer Billy Loomis, who reminds her to defend herself and distrust anyone, anyone, everyone, and everyone. Taking her father's knife from the original murders, Sam realizes they have been locked inside. Wayne calls Sam to warn her that Kirby was fired from the FBI months prior to due uh, months prior due to her mental instability. At this point, I was like, "Oh, maybe it is Kirby. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. She survived. Well, yeah, not quote unquote, but she she survived number four, and now she's become mentally unstable. So I was kind of like, in the snapshot decision, I was like, "Yeah, cool. It is. It is Kirby. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is." Fully like committed to her being Ghostface. Um, two Ghostface appear and attack Chad. As Tara and Sam attempt to escape, Kirby and Wayne both arrive with guns drawn. Wayne shoots Kirby, revealing herself as, uh, oh, revealing himself as Ghostface. Uh, he admits to orchestrating the killings with his children, revealed to be Ethan and a still alive Quinn. To avenge the death of his eldest son, Richie. Big reveal. It's the family. Mm. Psychotic family. It's like the Manson family or whatever. Um, They disclose their plan to kill Sam and frame her as Ghostface. Sam and Tara fight off the Bailey family with Tara stabbing Ethan and Sam killing Quinn. Sam then dons her father's Ghostface costume and stabs Wayne to death. Ethan resurfaces, but... Kirby smashes the television set that killed Stu over his head, killing him. I, I, I don't remember that. Stu dies in the first one with the, yeah, with the, television. the television. I, I yeah, don't yeah, remember yeah. that. Why do I not remember that? Which part of the film? Is it like halfway? Or? Third act. No, no, third act. Stu is like, the main, like one of the main killers. Stu and oh, Billy, yeah, right? Sorry, Stu and Billy. Yeah. So I don't even remember him dying from the te- television. I just thought they... Because I remember both of them... Stabbing each other, you know, Stu and yeah, Billy, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Stabbing each other is like I'm getting woozy. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that part, but I don't remember the TV part. Um, I do remember he dies by TV. I just can't remember exactly the, every little detail. Mm. This is giving me a reason to go back and watch all the originals again. Mm. Um, I just remember him saying, "I'm feeling woozy, woozy." Yeah. <laughs> Um, what's the name that that was an interesting point of the third act how they you know you think it like in my head I'm like I'm thinking it's Kirby too but I'm like the MO doesn't line up like okay FBI or posing as if it was posing as FBI sure Mm. that makes sense but then I'm like what's the MO she wasn't what's her reason to try and kill Sam and Tara correct Mm. and look there could have been some BS reason but then I was like, no, no. When he said that, I was like, wait. I, like throughout the film, I did think it was the cop, and I think in previous iterations, in the third one, which Patrick Dempsey would play. Oh my god, Patrick King Dempsey. Cade. That's right. Patrick Dempsey was in the third one. <laughs> mm. Um, I thought you know this potential that he could have been, but he wasn't. 
Mm. But then I thought, no, I think this cop is going to be the killer for some reason. And they always portray like the, you know, the love interest to be the problematic person. So Dean Cain, who played, was it the oh second one? Oh my goodness, man, you're bringing back all the memories. I totally forgot Dean Cain was in it. Dean Cain was the buff boyfriend, you know, mm, back. Uh... That's right. No, 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 not Dean Cain. Sorry, what's his name? Jerry O'Connell from Sliders and Stand By Me. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's not Dean Cain. Yeah, not Dean Cain. Different Jerry guy. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> mm. Sorry, listeners. Um, <laughs> he isn't Stand By Me. That's right. Yeah. Um, and he played that boyfriend and everyone's like, you know, don't trust him. And then Pug obviously says, you know, don't, you know, we don't know you, so we don't trust you mm-hmm. either. But it's only been Billy, the boyfriend or the love interest, that's, that's right. been the problem. Mm. So like we're still we're still getting tested as an audience, knowing okay. So it's been the boyfriend once, but never again. Mm. It hasn't been the, the you know a, uh, an authority previously, but now it has. So now you're getting into this area. It's like, well, it has been this. It has been a family member. Mm. It has been revenge. Um, so I found it interesting. Like they baited and switched that. It was like, oh, is Kirby the killer or is it the cop? Is yeah. there a Ghostface killer that has no connections with revenge or anything like that? Uh, yeah, so when you look at the um, the secondaries, I guess you want to call it, mm. um, Charlie was like a film student. Jill, Jill was the, the cousin, right, that wanted revenge. Mm-hmm. But Charlie was the film student. You had uh, Timothy Oliphant's character. I can't remember his name. Right. Um, he was also the film student. So they just wanted to have that little bit. And Stu was a little bit like the same as well, mm. you know. They just so, wanted to live their fantasies as yeah, killers. Yeah, they just wanted to partake in it. Whereas Billy was like, oh, you know, your mom had an affair. Um, Billy Loomis's mother, I can't remember her name. He's like, revenge. Roman was the half-brother. Jill was the cousin. Mm. And then you had uh, Richie. Damn, look at you go. got such a good memory. I had to recap everything before I did this podcast or I'd be a Glad you did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But now you can start to see the connection. So when you do go into the next scream now, Mm. you can start going, okay, well, this has happened in the past, but will it happen again? Mm -hmm. And are they really rehashing ideas or are they going down a new path? I hope they go down a new path. Um, I hope that they take what has been very successful of this franchise so far and mm. take us slowly into a new direction, whatever that new direction is. I think the meta telling or the meta storytelling should still be a thing, but mm. then it becomes like, how do you how do you become more meta than meta? Or is it a that, is it's it more getting of a, pretty meta? Yeah, I mean, is it more of a question of um, do we flip the definition of what a meta storytelling is? I don't know because because I can't I can't see a screen franchise without its meta ness. You know, <laughs> no, that's right. They go in. It's a meta slasher. They're both synonymous with each other. Like it's yeah, that's its whole thing. But that's yeah, exactly. I think that's why I enjoy it. It's not just a straight slasher. It's a meta slasher, mm. and it allows the audience to engage. Like okay, well, Randy, Randy, or Mindy will set the uh, the rules, and you got to go. Okay, well, it's not. It gets you to kind of think. It's a little bit like Cluedo, or it's a little bit like a mystery as well. Mm. So. Mm. Ooh. And you always want to try to get to the end real quick to get that reveal of who the killer is. Like, yeah. who has it been this whole time? Because essentially you're wanting the the reveal to be the ending. Well, it is. The ending is the reveal. But mm. the ending only becomes the reveal because Randy and Mindy, all those characters, those archetype characters, are describing the film as narrators almost, right? 
that mm, this is yeah. the ending that we're looking for. But then that completely wrong what the ending turns out to be. <laughs> mm. So here's a question for you. Like I was just thinking about this um, when I was watching the movie. What did you think of the pacing? And the reason why I asked that is that I remember looking at my watch about, I didn't know exactly when, but I looked at my watch and I said, this is only an hour into the film and so much had happened, but I didn't feel like it was rushed. And I felt like the intensity was there and it kind of, it dipped a little bit at times, but just enough that it kept the momentum rolling forward. So I think that's why I felt like the third act, the pacing kind of flopped a bit with the reveal and whatnot. But I felt like everything, the first and second act was like really like really tense, really good. My, look at my look at my vocabulary. Go really good and really like just well paced. Mm, very, very academic. Yes, very <laughs> academic at the moment. Look, I think the pacing was fine for Act One and Two. It's it was smooth. I think it had good transition from one act to another. But I, when we got to the very ending, and it's not the entire Act Three. I think the entire Act Three is just fine on its own. But the mm. very ending when they're in the theater. This the whole all the sequence of events from um, Chad seemingly dying from the stabs or whatever um, turns out he doesn't die. A lot of people don't really die in this franchise. Mm. Um, from that point all the way up until the slow character reveals or the, or the three killers, it was kind of it reminded me of like a a stage play or something. And I'm not saying that because there's a stage in the background, but it kind mm. of reminded me of like, all right, there's a we're here watching a stage theater production, <laughs> and mm. there's not a lot of cuts and edits to get the momentum going. It's really like camera here, face this this character because this character is going to talk. Now face this character because this character is going to talk now. And right. I just predicted the sequence of events at that point. I was like, all right, the dad's going to talk and then the son's going to talk and then the daughter's going to talk. And it was very kind of boring. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. I didn't find it invigorating or exciting. I didn't find it like as kind of truth revealing as the previous screams. Like it was kind of like, okay. Now we know the three killers. Now the three killers are going to explain their reasons for killing. Uh, and, mm. and it was all set in that one environment. And I think all the other ones have been set in that one environment, but I think the way the previous ones have been directed, it's there's just a bit more kind of like, um, oh, this like I'm looking forward to what Billy Loomis is about to say, or I'm looking forward to what Stu is about to say. Whereas this one, I wasn't excited to hear what the daughter and the son had to say. No. It was just kind of like, I don't know, maybe it was the performances. I don't know. Because I didn't find the daughter and the son very uh, believable, maybe. I felt like they were trying a little bit too hard. Yeah, I, I felt like the nerdy son was putting like the act on the whole time. Like I'm like, nah, he has to be one of the killers. Like He was just... <clears throat> too much in one direction. Like it was yeah. too nerdy. And then like, he's got the psycho side. When it got but, to that point with their monologues and stuff, it was just like, ah, uh, okay. I'm, I'm not believing this, but I'm just going to roll with it. And the only thing that's kind of holding me at that point or holding my attention at that point is just like, how's Sam and Tara going to get out of this? Um, mm. But the choreography was like, uh, <laughs> 
I don't, I don't, I don't want to shit on the choreography, but mm. it just wasn't as um, well, I don't know, structured, organized. I don't know if that's what I'm trying to describe here. It just wasn't maybe believable. I'm just going to go with that term. It wasn't as believable as like the previous ones, whereas the previous ones were probably a bit more rugged compared to this one. This one was a bit too like choreography, you know? Like I'm thinking about like, guess- the gun situation when Tara is holding, um, uh, sorry, no, when Sam is holding Tara on the balcony, uh, over, mm. over the balcony edge, about to yep. slip. I was like, uh, it's it's too clean. I don't know. It, the whole thing just feels a little bit too choreographed. And uh, No, I agree with you there. Like, now if you pick at it, yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see that. Mm. But, I mean, are we really watching Scream for the choreography? Well, I think what part like part of what makes Scream an entertaining piece of slasher, at least for me, is that none of the characters are good at fighting. None, like even Ghostface, Ghostface is not good at fighting. <laughs> kind of sucks. Yeah. Like he just kind of like in this one, Ghostface felt like he knew exactly what he was doing. Like was really good at the shotgun, for example, inside the no. convenience store. I was like. Uh. <laughs> um, and maybe maybe at that particular scene, at that moment, you're thinking, okay, yeah, Ghostface is, is a qualified killer. But no, Ghostface is always a different killer every time. Correct. <laughs> yeah. He's a brand new killer, especially if it's going to... It's not like he's tra- uh, training his gun, you know, he's training his with his guns and his knives off no, screen. You know what no, I mean? no, 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 like, yeah. like, uh, no. Ghostface is not like Mike Myers, who's had years of experience with a with sledgehammer, not sledgehammer, uh, a machete. Right. Oh, not a machete. Knife. A knife. knife. Yeah, just Which like is, a yeah. kitchen knife. Yeah. Um, Ghostface is just always a brand new killer. So, and especially if it's going to be the kid and the daughter at the end, I'm like, mm. yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm rolling with this. And so, as that whole thing comes together at the end, the whole thing is like almost some kind of like stage performance because they're all standing there and the camera's going from one direction to another, mm. which is kind of like boring. I was like, ah. I'm already over this. You already said one line, and I'm I'm ready to end this film. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's how I felt about it. And I hope they take this like that reveal on board because yeah, it wasn't great, like we said, but it did break the formula being three killers. Mm. That's the first so, time we've but, ever had three killers, right? Yeah. Mm. So you know they're breaking those rules, but it almost kind of cheapens the stakes a bit if it's three killers. Yeah. You know, when you have three killers, it's like, okay, well, is the next one going to be five? Like, at what point <laughs> at, at what point well, do we say, okay, that's too many killers, so I don't feel like the intensity is there? I like- you know, if they really went one direction and be like, okay, the next one's going to be like a cult of killers and, you know, there's one person who's masterminding it all. Um, mm. Or there could be one where it's like a game version where it's like, you know, oh, your mission is to be ghostface and kill as many people as possible. Right. But then the question is like, Okay, here's something else, right? Woodsboro is a small city, right? Mm. New York is big. Why were there no more, not more police involved? In the New York? This thing. is New York. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I never found that to be an issue, I guess. But would it have changed the story, New- though, if there was more <laughs> police involved? No, to be fair, look, you had, uh, I forgot the actor's name. Was it number three or four where the cops were trying to like um, escort Sydney and her friend and they get killed by Ghostface? 
Um, um, what that guy's name? That also happened in the previous one, Scream Five, when they're getting escorted. Well, I mean, you had Dewey them. and whatnot, and you had yeah, the deputy. Mm. But the, I mean, those are small time places. I would say small. Woodsboro is meant to be a small place. Mm. But then you got New York. Like, why wasn't there like sort of witness protection? You know, was like just cops to protect. Oh, like witness protection yeah. protection for yeah, protection. Sarah and uh, Tam. Tam? Sarah and Tam. I just merged <laughs> their names. Samantha and Tara. <laughs> yeah, Sam and Tara. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it'll, it'll it's probably, probably would have about... loaded the story, though. I mean, the story is... There's enough in the story. I just don't think the ingredients came together mm. as well as it should. I'm not sure no, if right. I'm removing one of the killers from the three would have improved the story. But then I'm also not sure if like having all three as killers as a big reveal at the end was the right thing decision as well. Um, and for them to, to be a psychotic revengeful family, I, sh- I think it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking that the dynamic of so many characters being the killers and have this big backstory that we don't, fully know much about but it gets dumped at the end as exposition i don't know mm. i don't know if that was the right move for these guys mm. you know because it was like heaps of information that just seemed like i don't care about this information because yeah, yeah. I, I know i know like I, you don't have to explain to me that there's this is the reason why um we're coming after you like yeah i can piece all that together because it's your son and everything but mm-hmm. um i th- i think it has to be a different scenario or a different type of character that then mm. becomes Ghostface at the end. For it to be a whole family, that's like a huge backstory that you well, we're just we're just discovering for the first time right at the end of the film. Mm. It's like it's a bit much, you know. It's it, I'm kind of bored by that storytelling. Yeah, which interesting. I just while you were saying that, I just had a look at the the Metacritic ratings and Scream the list iteration is read better than the previous so mm. 61 versus 60 it's not a big difference mm. but i mean i guess maybe people i remember reading some comments would be like what a time to be alive i get to see scream in the cinemas because they were obviously very young or you know weren't born yet to be able to see scream in the cinema so maybe it's unpredictability is what really keeps it alive mm. yeah yeah, but you know, in saying that, um, as a summary, <laughs> yes, as a summary, my rating surmise, my surmised rating. <laughs> um, you mind if I give me give my rating out of five? Yeah, go for out it. Out of ten, sorry, not out of five, out of ten. Five I'm out of seven. I'm I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. I think that's a Very. fair rating. Mm, I think it's very it's, IGN. Um, it's very IGN. No, IGN <laughs> gave this like nine, didn't they? Uh, I think yeah, it was higher up. Yeah, IGN yeah. gave it nine, and um, the Rotten Tomatoes score is it's very very positive, which I I can slightly agree with. Seventy seven percent for the critics, and then ninety one percent for the audience. I don't think it's a ninety one percent, but I know it's somewhere between seventy seven and ninety. Um, so for me, I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. It's it's enjoyable for the most part. Gets a little bit mm. boring with the explanations. Um, 
the family dynamic as the psychotic revenge family. I'm not sure if that's it. Um, mm. I think they ran out of ideas a little bit here, only because compared to number five, I thought they were packed full of ideas that were executed ace, you know? Um, mm. And I think the the time between releasing the fifth one and releasing the sixth one at such a short period of time, I don't even think it's a whole year, man, they released the sequel. Like 2022, yeah. maybe it yeah, was yeah. exactly a year. I think that really hurt this the um the capability to tell a better story you know right maybe they were pressured by the studio saying hey Studios, you yeah. guys have done so well with this release another one a year from here's now. money yeah, yeah and, that, and, and that's the real timeline within the story as well right they from woodsboro mm. to new york city is one whole year so i i think that might have hurt it a little bit because maybe the boys just kind of were like oh, okay hey we're under so much pressure from the studio this is the only story i can really come up with yeah, so for a year to film, right? Yeah, that's a short that. time, man. Like sequels usually take a couple of years, if that. <laughs> mm. And if you if you want to tell good sequels, right? Maybe you had to do that. And maybe the next idea for Scream Seven is that they talk about how there wasn't enough time to write a good franchise. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Was it the Matrix where they had a? Um, the meta. meta reference like yeah hugely meta but it was like backwards shitty meta that just fell on its face yeah, yeah. just wasn't that's not how you write like um how you how not to write a meta a script or a meta film 101 mm. is matrix Resolu- what i don't even know what the name of the movie is <laughs> resurrection resurrection uh, resurrection i wish it stayed in the ground anyway so that's my rating seven out of ten what about you Okay. Um, after talking it out with you, like, you know, I have picked up on a few different things that, you know, I don't want to dr- bring the score down that much. Don't, but, do it. don't bring you know, it down. Don't, don't bring it down. No, look, I was thinking, like, I was saying that we said that IGN was high with its ratings and five, Scream 5 or the reboot call was, did pretty well with the new set of figures and cast. For this one, I'm going to go with an 8... So, like, it's still enjoyable, like, but I didn't really love the reveal at the end. I didn't like the um, the family's motive, like, even though it's revenge, like, the story seemed a little bit just not all there. I like that they use New York as a different backdrop instead of Woodsboro. Mm. Um, yeah, I think there's the, like, sorry, I'm going to interrupt your thing. No, I was but, just, no, um, no, just going to say. It's a good point about, like, New York City. Like, it, we're changing the backdrop for the first time. That's nice, but... Again, I think with New York City being a backdrop, I didn't feel like New York City played a huge character in this. I feel like because it was like a lot of it was at night and we didn't get the large um, expanding shots or establishing shots that you'd normally get to show us that we're in Mm. New York. And they didn't utilize New York as a city enough. I think it needed to be utilized a lot more to go, oh, yeah, yeah, we're in New York. (laughs) I mean, you had the bodega, you had the, the subway, but that was really it, and maybe the university. But everything else was primarily inside small apartments. Yeah. Um, theater. Theater, rather than just being empty houses out on their own. Mm. So, yeah, I guess it gives you that notion, like, oh, you're in a big city and there's going to be there people to help you, but really there wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to go with an eight. eight. Um, I'm hoping that they still find success with the franchise, even if they still pursue it without Nev Campbell. Mm. 
Um, maybe they may ask her back for the next one, but then even back. from her back. perspective, even if she comes back, how are they going to integrate the story? Because then it's less about Sydney now and more about Sam. Mm. Or they might shift it towards the other characters like Tara and Mindy. There could be all Chad. sorts of ways that they could do it. Maybe maybe Sydney knows like a family member from Samantha's past, you know, like there's all these different family members about um with Billy Loomis, you know, maybe like I don't know if you want to rehash the whole Billy Loomis thing. Maybe maybe it's a good idea, maybe it's not. It takes like good writers and good directors for us to know what that answer is, right? Because I think these yeah. boys they did an extraordinary job with Scream 5. Like, mm. completely extraordinary. And it was brand new. It was fresh. But it still felt familiar enough for you to go, wow, this is an awesome nostalgic trip. But it's also nice and fresh. And the young characters are awesome. And the passing of the baton is a great thing from Dave Campbell to these young people. So, oh, I don't know what that answer is. I'm just kind of thinking ideas it could be centered around Billy Loomis's past and whatever that might be. You know, if they if they continue with the whole hallucination, traumatic experiences of Samantha and her trying to forget her father, if they continue mm-hmm. with that, then maybe they explore that more. You know, we learn about I don't know the great granddad of Billy Loomis, who's a cold killer from the fifties. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I find that they're going to be stretched for ideas now. If they're kind of falling flat with just revenge. I mean, it's always been revenge, but mm. they'd have to go with, they need to find like, you know, another stew or a Timothy Oliphant character to just go, we're just doing this for fun. Mm. Like we just want to do this because we like it. Yeah. Um, mm. That's not a bad idea. Because then I think that that gives that a little bit more fear factor because it's just like, I just want to do this. I don't care about who you are. Mm. But then that's going to take away um, the focus from the core four. It's not going to be about them anymore. It'll just be anyone. Mm. But because I've got Ghostface connected to them, they'll be like, okay, it's Ghostface, so we, we should get involved. It's almost like they're becoming the new Scooby gang, if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> Is that because Matthew Lillard was in um No, 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 no. <laughs> It's a it's a Buffy reference, so oh. uh, the Scooby Gang was always them fighting the bad guys. So yeah, yeah, Scooby Gang, Scream Six, Scooby Gang. Mm. Um, all right, man. Well, it was fun to talk about that. Yeah, thanks that. for having me on. Probably not as fun as Scream Five to talk about, but still pretty good. I can... it's over halfway. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's better than She Hulk for sure. <laughs> But at least we can now look at reviewing John Wick next because <sighs> yes, I think everyone's going to be waiting for that. John Wick, I need to watch two, but you're saying no, don't watch two and just watch the biggest. No, 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 watch one. two, skip three, skip three, but still watch just just watch the summary. Really, um, it's actually that unimportant. Oh, you get from watching the summary, you'll get the important points. It's just the long, dragged out fight sequences. Some of the fight sequences are okay. Definitely not the one in the middle. That's all I'm going to say. You know, from what I watched in John Wick, the first one, I don't have very high expectations. Uh, so I just, as I was at the gym earlier, they were saying that John Wick 4 is Keanu's first, first, first blockbuster. I can't even say blockbuster in 20 years. Since Matrix. Probably. That's literally. So I think everything else is kind of plopped, but I've seen a lot of people just posting about it. 
online have just said nothing but positive reviews. I think it's definitely revived his career. Well, I don't know if he needed to revive his career, but let's say just for the public eye, it's re- re- mm. revived like who he is a, a bit because, yeah, I mean, that's not hard to, to point out that Matrix was the last biggest thing that he was ever part of um, mm. before that was speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that being said, John Wick as a series mm. – um, really kind of just gave him a new fresh character to work with. Like you had Neo, which is science sci-fi, but then you've got this kind of action character that really, you know, brought him in, you know, he's the same sort of soft-spoken person, Mm. but it just gave him a different way to, to portray a different, yeah, method. I I wanted to like John Wick. I just didn't really like it that much. The original? Yeah, the first John Wick movie. Oh, okay. I I didn't get the John Wick fever that everybody got. I was like, John Wick's so amazing, and it's like it's just a bunch of dudes shooting at each other. <laughs> I think I <laughs> literally think the... it's like he he wants to take revenge for his dog. Is that is, am I remembering that yeah. correctly? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He yeah. wants to revenge his dog because the dog died, and then they murdered his dog murdered because his dog. they yeah because these gangsters wanted to uh, take his car. And then they went to his house mm. and they took the car anyway and they killed his dog. And that's why he's like, well, fuck me. Yeah. Cause that dog was given to him by his wife who died. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's so, some good backstory there. There's some good, like legitimate yeah. uh, backstory, but the whole film was, it didn't explore the backstory. It just, it was on a it, killing it, spree. Well, that's right. But it was more about people understanding, like you just killed you know, Baba Yaga, the, the boogeyman's dog, he's going to come after you. Yeah. So you have this impending fear and doom that's like, he's oh, shit, what have I done? Kind of hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally then, understood that. But then, but the whole thing just was about him killing everybody and then at the end, it's just him winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all it really yeah. was. So I was kind of like, ah, I don't get it. I, I don't get it like everybody else. Everybody's like, oh, this is the like one of the best action films I've ever seen. I'm like, have you seen Terminator 2? Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> but for a lot of people, I think, you know, Terminator 2 now is, it's a little bit aged. Nah, it's still a great it's movie. timeless, dude. It's, no, no, but it's for like, you know, the, the, the Instagram generation, it's very different. You know, they want their action straight away. And, you know, you, even John Wick 3, some of the action scenes are a bit stupid, but, you know, it's still action. And You're telling me I have to... Watch the the second one. Watch the summary of the third one on YouTube. Well, you can just watch the fourth one. Because what happens in the second and third one is it really builds on the on the world and the universe of John Wick. And I think, mm. I'm not going to say MCU started that, but like even Star Wars has that kind of world-building aspect where you get introduced to like the continental and like the underworld, uh, underworld and whatnot. So I see. you see how, you know, Lance Reddick's character and... Uh, that British guy's name in McKellen. No, <laughs> you're gonna say that <laughs> Gandalf. Gandalf's in it. Yeah. Damn. No, I gotta yeah, see this. So, um, but just little things like that, like just the underworld, and yeah, I think it, it builds the world well. And then you have you know performances by Lawrence Fishburne and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, just Matrix. Um. The real sequel. Matrix all over. Yeah, Matrix in a different in a different light. Oh, they should have had know, Hugo Weaving be the final it. boss. <laughs> <laughs> Is he not? Because if he's not, I'm not watching uh, it. No, not that. I, not that. Uh, I, it's Donnie Yen. This one. Oh so, yeah, that's right. Donnie Yen is in John Wick Four. So now you have no reason not to watch it. Yeah, but does he do Wing Chun? Is the question. 
I haven't seen it. I can't tell you. What? It's currently what rated. You it's John Wick Four. No, I, I'm asked you. Have you watched it? Yet? I haven't no, watched no, it yet. No, I, I want to watch it. I but um, John Wick Four is currently rated eight point five on IMDb. Mm. Eight point five. And uh, IGN gave it ten, right? Ten as a masterpiece. Huge. The last ten they gave out of um, off the top of my head was Batman. The Batman. Was it the Batman? No, the Batman. It was the Batman. I don't know if I'd give that a 10. I would Did not. we give it a 10? No. I'd... 8 out of 10. No. Yeah, 8. No, but no, Nate, no. Nate or Nath, he gave it a 10 out of 10 himself. He really loved it. I was like, how dare you re- overrate this from The Dark Knight? That is atrocious. <laughs> I should delete you from you, my podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, people, thank you for listening to Scream 6 and John Wick 1 review. John Wick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you let me know when you want to review John Wick. I'm happy. Yeah, to yeah. Review. I need to see it first, but uh, we'll get around to it because I'm sure everyone else has already put the John Wick episode out. So, <laughs> we can give some t- people some time to watch it. You've got to give it like two months then, to breathe, man. Yeah. Let it settle and be like, yeah, that was good. That was good. That Lots was trash. Of Lots of shooting. Look, I don't, expect, I don't expect 4 to be perfect, but... You know, they're all intertwined. Like, it's not... They are time set apart a little bit. But then at the end of 3, uh, I don't want to say too much, but, like, 3 should lead to directly into 4. Actually, they all kind of interconnect, right? Because... Uh, I'll just let you watch it. Uh, <laughs> you're telling me, man. <laughs> all right, man. Um, all right. I know you got places to be, so thank you for your presence. Thank you. Thank you for your um, humble opinions. And um, we will see you back for the John Wick, if not, I don't know, Mandalorian stuff or... Yeah, there's so much to review. So much to review. Oh, and um, yeah. when's the next MCU property coming out? I think it's... Um, Guardians. Loki. May. No. Huh? Was it Loki first? May. Loki season two? Isn't Guardians coming out in May in two months? Okay. Well, both of them is coming up very, very soon. I can't wait. Okay. Um, Peter Quill's probably going to die. Rocket's probably going to die. Rocket's probably going to die. Adam Warlock's going to be a villain by the end of it. Mm. Even though he is a villain. But I think he's going to be villain, villain by the end of it. And then he's going to be a hero later on in Fighting hey. Secret Wars. Well, if Kang is locked up. Uh... <laughs> oh, poor Kang. Ooh, hey, look, it hasn't slide. even been 24 hours. We don't even know what the real case is, right? No, I know. I know. But, but everyone's quick to jump on it. Oh, it's a male beating up a female. No, I know. But... We've got to hope that, you know, it's not is what it says, not, the, not what the news is reporting. I don't know. I want him to be Kang. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe Wesley Snipes or Michael J. White can come out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right, dude. Yeah. Thank you. So All much. right. Thank you for your time. Thank, Thank you, listeners. You. And we will catch you on the next episode of Legit Cool Podcast. Bye-bye. Peace out.